Well, good morning. Again, we are so glad that you all have joined us, whether online or in person. I do want to make one thing clear. Jake beat me more than a few times in Mario Kart, but there was one time where I was first out of the group of four of us. He says by one point, so it doesn't matter, but it wins away. And I beat him, and Chase beat him, and David beat him. Then we played Smash, and we all beat him, like, repeatedly. Um, and so... He, he's real upset about it because he owns a Nintendo Switch and is like Mr. Nintendo and spends all of his free time playing those two games. And I play once a year, and I just naturally am gifted and better than he was at those games. So uh, don't let him fool you. Now, uh, with all joking aside, we do have a pretty serious topic to cover this morning. And so we are in week four of our series Mission 2021, continue the quest. And we are blessed and honored to have Nightlight with us tonight. Nightlight is a wonderful ministry that focuses on ministering to girls who uh, have found themselves uh, trapped or just in the local sex industry. And I, when I say that, I, I talk about prostitution, I talk about uh, strip clubs, I talk about human trafficking. Their goal is to work with those women and, and to try to uh, rescue them from that situation and to provide for them a new way to live life. And so Savannah's here today. She's going to interview uh, with us and we're going to let her kind of talk about it because uh, it's her baby. She loves this and she's dedicated her life to it and she will uh, explain it far better than I could ever hope to. But we have a very serious issue in our world. The fact of the matter is that $150.2 billion and the 0.2 of a billion is 20 million. So $150.2 billion and profit every year as a result of human trafficking. That's human trafficking. The porn industry is another 12 billion. And that does not, those two things do not include things necessarily like strip clubs or prostitution in themselves. We're just talking about the sell of human lives. And if we look at the porn industry, many of the performers are victims of sex trafficking who have been forced or coerced into performing these acts for money or for their safety or for their life. And unfortunately, these victims who are largely women, not all women, but largely women, have been forgotten by the church. And that's one of the reasons why we partner with Nightlight because they haven't forgotten them. The world is starting to come around to the danger of human trafficking. It's starting to wake up and to see what a problem that it really is. I'm here to argue for you today that as the church, not just Crosspoint, but the church, we should be at the forefront of that battle. We should be leading the charge, so to speak. And the first thing that I think that we can do to help us in that battle is to realize that worth isn't attached to an occupation. Worth is not attached to an occupation. Now, there are certain cultures around the world, and the American culture is certainly one of them, that attaches worth to the occupation of an individual. We have things a little skewed, right? At the top of our list are things like athletes, social influencers, and billionaires. Right below them are doctors, lawyers, who we have a love-hate relationship with, and politicians. Then there's the service industry who's getting all the love right now and the charge to up the minimum wage. There's loads of other things, and then teachers. 
And then there's loads of more things. And then at the very bottom of that list are those that are involved in careers or jobs or imprisonment that involves sexual exploitation of people. Our nation gorges itself on the product, but views the workers not as human beings, but as commodities. These women and these men who are trapped in these industries are seen as objects for the sexual pleasure of people. They're seen as things. And any time we participate in viewing these things, whether on our computers or in establishments, we are contributing to the sexual exploitation of people, to human trafficking to the $150.2 billion that is made off of their bodies. Now, this isn't a new problem. In the early church, uh, it was tax collectors, right? Tax collectors were the worst, and prostitutes. And, and these people were looked down upon because of their occupation. They were seen as less than. They were snakes in the grass. They were vile. They were evil. They were dirty. But if we see Christ's ministry, he didn't hide from these people. He dined with them. He sought them out for relationships. He desired to provide them with a new way of living, to return to them their dignity and their empowerment and their pride. Because Christ realized that worth isn't wrapped up in someone's occupation. It's not wrapped up in what they do to earn money or what they may have been forced to do. Worth as the Bible, I think, teaches very clearly, is innate. As creations of God, we have worth. Regardless of any label that you could attach to us as human beings, first and foremost, I believe that all of us are creations of God. And as such, we have an innate worth that cannot be taken from us. And so we need to, as Christians, see the entirety of people that way, regardless of like I said, what it is that they may do to earn money or what it is that they're forced to do for their protection or for their safety. And, and so we have to, to really be able to wrap our heads around this. In Psalm 139, 13 and 14, it's a very beautiful, poetic piece of writing. David says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. See, the only stipulation that should matter to us at all is whether or not we believe that people are the creation of God. You either believe that or you don't. And if you do believe that, then all people have worth. If you do believe that, all people matter. If you do believe that, we have a duty to fight for those who are taken advantage of and who are downtrodden. Our goal should be to restore dignity and give life. To restore dignity and to give life. These are two of the most important things that I think that we can do. In Proverbs 31, 25, this verse comes from a passage that's Proverbs 31, 10 through 31, that's known as the wife of noble character, right? That's kind of the heading in your Bible, if you see that. It says a wife of noble character. But in Proverbs 31, 25, it says, she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. 
These verses, while they do, yes, describe a wife of noble character, I think they can reasonably be seen as the ideal for how we should view women and how we should want women to view themselves. If as a woman you can do the things in these verses, then you are living the life that God has intended for you. And right there in 25, it says she's clothed with strength and dignity and she can laugh at the day's ahead. Strong, compassionate, revered, a role model. These are what our women are supposed to be. Someone to look up to, someone to respect, someone who is respected. And I believe within those words of this verse is the outlook that every member of every church should have. Our goal must be to ensure again that women are respected, that they are revered, that they are seen as the perfect and precious creation that God made them to be. And we have to view them in that way. We don't do this, okay, I want to be very clear, we don't do this by looking down at them for the profession that they have. And if we're honest, because we are all Americans, we all do this. I'm not saying necessarily to women involved in these types of industries, but I'm saying just people as a whole. Lots of us, like I said, will look at a politician and think that person's a crook. Lots of us will look at a lawyer and think, I want nothing to do with them until I need to have something to do with them. And so we may not think about this all the time, but, but we do this type of thing. Those people really need $15 an hour. They put cheese on top of my sandwich instead of in my sandwich. Right? Like, we look at different people based off of their professions and make judgments about them. And if we are to restore dignity, then we cannot make those types of judgments about women who are trapped in these industries. We need to show them that they are loved and that they are worth being respected. And we do this by giving them our respect without condition of their employment. Not, hey, you'll get my respect when you do something else with your life. Or you'll get my respect when you stop making the choices that you're making. It's not how it works. In Romans 5.8, it said, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. All of us. Christ died for us while all of us were still sinners. And if we see somebody who is living a life in sin, then we have to recognize and realize that Christ died for them right where they're at with what they're doing and the decisions that they make. And guys, we also have to understand the problem that human trafficking is in our world. I think it would be incorrect to say that every single woman who works in this type of industry has been forced into it. But a, a vast majority of cases, how would we ever know? It's not exactly information that they're willing to divulge right off the bat. 
which is why we have to love first and build relationships and look to serve them right where they're at and love them right where they're at and respect them right where they're at so that they can see that there is a better way to live life. We have to understand that oftentimes they are supporting their families the only way that they know how. They are taking care of children. And in many cases, they are doing what they can to survive. And for me, that is not a reason to disrespect. That is a reason to respect. Anytime you're willing to put yourself second to make sure that your children are taken care of, to make sure that your family is taken care of, to survive, you have my respect. And we need to view people with love and with respect. If we want women to experience the dignity that they deserve, then we need to give them life. What do I mean by that? Obviously, I'm not just talking about the ability to breathe. We need to provide for their needs. We can't ask them to leave money on the table and not provide for things like shelter and clothing and food and health care. We can't ask for them to, to turn, the way, turn their backs on the way that they earn money and not provide a better way, right? Hey, you shouldn't do this. Stop it. Well, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to put food on the table? We don't know. And if we're honest, we don't care. We just, we just want you to stop it because what you're doing is bad. Like, we're not the pot calling the kettle black. Like, we're not equally as sinful. We need to be able to provide for counseling when it's needed and desired. And we need to provide for new work opportunities. And that all begins with love. Transformation and change begins with love. Love happens when we realize that we all start at the same spot as sinners, as creations of God, as beings of value. We all have value. One of the biggest issues that people have with the church, and you've heard me say this before if you've been here long enough, is that they look at us as a bunch of hypocrites, as people who walk around thinking that we are perfect than everybody else, rather than people who are sinners that have been saved by grace. The only difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is Jesus. That's it. Jesus starts the transformation. Jesus starts the change. It's the love of Christ that moves us into a new direction. But we all have the same starting point as sinners who our Christ died for while we were still dead in our sin. And I mention that because I want us to stop looking around at the world with judgment and hatred, whether conscious or subconscious. And I want us to view each and every person that we come across as a being of worth who is worthy of love, respect, and integrity. And I want us as Crosspoint Fellowship to fight things like human trafficking, to provide a different way of life and a different way to provide for needs so that 
women can, can have the dignity and the empowerment that they are supposed to have and to be able to look at the days ahead and laugh at them and not worry about what's to come and know that they are taken care of and know that they will be okay. That's the goal. So we're going to have Savannah come up right now if you'll come join me on stage. And I've got a few questions that I want to ask her and I want you guys to have the answers to because, like I said, we partner with Nightlight so that we can help fight these things in our world. Um, and, and so I just want you to hear from her so that you can hear what, it, what opportunities we have to serve, how we've already served. And when you give money to our church that we give to our mission partners, of which Nightlight is one, where that money goes. So first and foremost, Savannah, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate you being here. You may need to flip that on. I may have turned it yes. off. Testing. Yep. Okay. Good. Um, so first and foremost, for those of the, uh, us that don't know, and I mentioned briefly, but like I said, I probably didn't explain it greatly. Oh, wow. <laughs> Look at that. Uh, <laughs> please explain for us what Nightlight does. Yeah, so our mission as an organization is that we are an international organization compelled by love, which you hit on, um, that reaches out to, rescues, and restore, restores all of those who are negatively impacted by the commercial sex industry and sex trafficking. And so we cover the whole spectrum of trafficking and exploitation. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, why is it important for the church, and we're talking about Big C Church, not just Crosspoint, but also Crosspoint, to serve in this capacity? Yeah, I think what, actually what you were saying was like really great. Um, I really appreciate that. I was like an intro to talk through this because it's really helpful. Um, so as the, the capital C Church, so we get to be the front lines of the church. I really positively believe that that is what we get to do as an organization, as um believers as well and we are getting to be like in the grit and the grime of the day-to-day -day lives of the women that we're serving but as the church like we get to love well as the capital c church and you guys get to come alongside and you know you guys are financial partners with nightlight you're constantly <laughs> pouring into what we're doing from that perspective you guys love so well at the christmas parties whenever you come and you're serving our women and, um, you know, as the church, if, if the church was being the church the way that we need the church to be the church, and I think we, we see that at times, and other times it's really hard. We see that where those gaps are as well. Um, I'm sure you guys can all relate to that. Um, but if the church is the church, then we don't have to be there. <laughs> uh, the church is the church loving women in vulnerable positions before they get taken advantage of or before they're in a position of being exploited. But even when they are in those positions, not judging like what you were saying, loving them in the midst of those places and walking alongside them and not just looking at them like, oh, I don't want to get my hands dirty there. Um, if we're willing to get messy and in the middle of that brokenness, because we're coming from a place of knowing that our own brokenness was covered by the cross and by Jesus, as you're saying, I'm like totally going off what you're saying, but um, if we get to do that, I'll take it. Yeah. If we get to do that, then the church gets to be the one with the victory in this fight of trafficking and of exploitation that, that we need. And I, I firmly believe that it's not going to be like the state, or the government or an organization or a hundred organizations that are going to fight the battle against this. It's, it's got to be the church because we understand that value in a way that the rest of society doesn't necessarily assign value to people as people. And I think that's really important for the church to remember that and to be like 
the, we should be the for, forerunners, the forefront of what it looks like to um, to speak identity and love and compassion to people. So, awesome. Yeah. Um, like you just said, it's going to take more than Crosspoint, and, and it's going to take more than a handful of organizations. But uh, speaking about Crosspoint, how have we helped you accomplish your mission? Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, COVID is a little different yeah, <laughs> for, for sure. all of us. I'm sure you guys probably heard a lot about that recently from your different missions partners. But, um, you know, and I was thinking as we were walking in, like, Crosspoint was actually, I think, our first mission partner <laughs> whenever we first started doing this, which is really exciting. I think I remember the first time coming and actually the woman I took over for spoke at the church the first time that I came. And I think that was probably 2014. So it's a long time to be invested and involved with us. And every single year you guys have come along with us and done the Christmas party and, um, you know, that is an opportunity for us to connect with the women that we minister to and that we work with in an outside way of, um, you know, we're not doing outreach, we're not doing case management, um, but really just having fun and enjoying the time with them and their families and just giving them an opportunity to have fun with their families. And you guys have always done a really great job of putting that on for us and helping us um, in doing that so that like our, when our volunteers are there to connect with the women, they don't have to be the ones putting the games together or the food. And you guys have been a huge asset in us being able to do that really well through the years. Um, and then, you know, when COVID hit, obviously we had to cancel the Christmas party. And I, honestly, I was um, telling Caitlin beforehand, like that was one of the hardest parts of our year last year. Cause there were girls that were like, we didn't get to come to the Christmas party. It was so sad. And I mean, I missed it as well, and I'm sure you guys did. Um, but I also know that you guys were able to give an offering in place of that, and those funds were able to help us finish out the Christmas gifts that we gave on Outreach. They were able to help us, um, instead of the Christmas party, we did family care packages, basically family gifts instead that was uh, kind of a compilation of different things for the families of the women that we work with to um, have like a fun time together. So had like a board game and a movie and popcorn and snacks and a blanket and just fun activities for us to encourage them to get together as a family and enjoy that time together. Um, and so you guys were a part of that. And then, you know, you were talking about the financial side of things. We have over the last year seen a huge increase in the financial needs of the women that we work with. And we, you know, we get some big asks because when you're two months behind on rent, that's not a small check. And when it means the difference between getting evicted or staying in your home and waiting for the next funds to come in, that's a huge gap that we get to fill when we're, be, we're being asked to fill that. And part of the funds that you guys gave were able to help us support some of the women that were asking for those things. So, you know, it might feel small just giving money or writing a check, but like those are huge ripple effects that you guys are having in the work that we're doing as a whole. I appreciate um, you saying so and, and kind of mentioning that. And guys, that not to be, able, I'm not do, saying this to toot our own horn, but um, we were able to give a number in the thousands because of your generosity. And part of the reason that I want our mission partners to come, part of the reason I asked Nightlight to come is because I want you to see the impact that you are having. And I also want to bring that up because um, those funds, I'm going to be frank, eventually will run out. <clears throat> uh, we, you know, gave our largest total to date 
as far as two missions giving and different things that, that our church has ever given. And uh, it's it was fantastic to be able to do that. Uh, but eventually, um, we're not going to be able to sustain that. And so I want you all to basically see what it is that you've done because I want to be able to, as a church, to continue to keep doing this type of thing. And so understand that even though it's just at times monetary giving, you are making an impact and you are appreciated and we um, appreciate you doing that. But also, we don't want to just give money. We want to be able to serve. So what are some other ways that we can serve Nightlight? I know you yeah. mentioned the Christmas party. We, we try to partner with you and do that every year. But what are some different things we can do? Yeah. So um, before I answer that question, I think there's really an important part of what you were saying that I think I can bring the other side to. So you were talking about the need and the, the problem, but I think I can offer a little insight into the solution and the hope that comes whenever those things are um, welcomed by the church and when the church does step in and help with those things. So, um, you know, as I mentioned, financial need is a huge thing. And um, that is a way that you guys come alongside us every month. And so I absolutely am so grateful for that. Um, but, you know, over the last year, those financial needs significantly increased for us. And over the summer, last summer, we were offered a grant um, that allowed us to support 13 women in specific financial needs related to COVID impacts. And so it was like rent and car insurance and utilities that they could no longer afford um, as a result of direct COVID-related things, whether they left, lost a job or um, they couldn't keep working because their kids were at home from school, things like that. We were able to provide for those situations um, during that kind of gap season where they were you know, post-quarantine, trying to get back into work, weren't getting paid yet. We had 13 women that we were able to support in that way and intervene in the situation so that they did not have to go back to whether that was working in the industry or whether that was a trafficker or a pimp. Um, we literally, I had a girl reach out to me and say, my pimp is texting me telling me that I'll get a raise after COVID if I'll just come back and work for him. Now, like, what do I say to that? You know, but I was able to say, hey, you don't have to do that. We have funds available, you just have to apply. And so things like that are a huge deal for the women because like direct intervention means they don't have to go back and their kids don't have to go back into those situations. And so I, I don't want to sell short the, the funds that you guys are able to offer because that helps us do that every month. Um, and then also, you know, since COVID hit, it has allowed a lot of women stability that they wouldn't normally have um, because they're willing to make choices that they maybe weren't willing to make before. And so we have, um, over the course of the fall, we had three women go into programs, like long-term sober living or trafficking programs because they were ready for a, a real change in their lives and they knew that they needed healing and they needed some space to be able to do that. And we were able to support them in doing that both financially and emotionally and, and like from a spiritual perspective, um, helping them figure out what that looks like. And you know now it's been a couple of months since that happened, and they're all doing amazing. And you know we've got one woman who is training to be the manager of the house that she's living in, and another woman graduated from her program and moved out on her own for the first time in her life, and she's doing well. They both have jobs. They're stable. Um, we have another woman who got married in January, which was really fun and exciting because um, you know that 
that is a really big thing in this um, world of exploitation because it's really hard for them to trust somebody after they've been taken advantage of and exploited. Um, and then I literally just put a girl on a plane on Friday to go to another state for a one-year discipleship program. And that was a big thing for her. It took her five years to make that decision. And so all of that to say, um, funds are, are super helpful. But I think right now, the season that we're in, your prayers are so critical to us because of those women. Like those women who are making critical life decisions need your prayers. And as we're walking alongside them and hearing those conversations and having those conversations about what that could look like, we need you guys praying for us as a team and for our, you know, our staff and our, our girls because they, they need that right now. There's a lot of spiritual warfare involved in that. Um, the girl on Friday, she was at the airport 30 minutes before her flight was going to take off because her first ride bailed on her and I had to go get her from her uh, family member's house in order to get her to the airport before it took off. Um, so there was like, even just getting her on the plane was <laughs> an act of spiritual defiance um, and spiritual warfare for us. Um, and so, you know, I think oftentimes as the church, we feel like prayer doesn't feel like much, but for us, prayer is so important. Like we've been accused of praying too much sometimes, and I will take that. Um, but Say what? yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but we really do. Like you know, we are we work in an environment where it is hard to bring. Um, like the capital C church alongside us like face to face with the women because it's just there's so much trauma and messiness and you know we love volunteers and we have lots of volunteers um, but I can't come to you and like tell you the whole story of a girl and say hey can you pray for her um, you kind of have to do it on faith and you have to like be willing to step in the gap for someone that you will probably never meet but that's so important and those girls absolutely know that people are praying for them and um, you know, actually, those two girls that are, are currently or have just graduated from the programs, all three of them are believers at this point. And they're in that process of figuring out what faith looks like and like figuring out what church looks like and community looks like. And so they need your prayers too because that is a really difficult place to be. And if you've been in that place, you know how lonely and vulnerable that feels when you're not quite sure what this like Jesus thing is and what church looks like and especially in a pandemic <laughs> you know we all don't really know what church looks like most of the time and um so they they could definitely use your prayers in that and then you know we we don't have a lot of huge group opportunities other than the christmas party which i'm really really hoping we're gonna we're going to be able to have this year so would love for you guys to keep doing that and um yeah, yeah, um, we're super thankful for that partnership and commitment there. Um, but if anyone is interested in like one-on-one -on -one getting involved, I would be happy to have a conversation of what that looks like. We have outreach, and we're we've started doing drop-in hours at our office every month so that we have uh, an opportunity for the girls to come and just have a space to have fun, and they have lunch, and we just connect as friends and as as girls and. Sometimes we paint or do nails or things like that. So it's just a fun, safe environment for them to connect with each other as well. And um, we're hoping to like be able to offer um, some of that as an opportunity for churches to get involved, like to provide lunch or to provide dessert or something like that um, as we grow that. And so, yeah, so there's lots of opportunities. It's just figuring out what that looks like for you and what that looks like for your community and church. Well, thank you very much. Um, just so you guys know, please talk to her if any of that interests you, at least to get the information. There are some brochures back on the bar uh, that will provide some more information for you. Thank you so much for being here and thank for taking guys. 
uh, a Sunday out of your time to come and talk with us. Um, listen, guys, we have an opportunity to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. That's what church is about. It's not about coming here on Sundays and, and worshiping and hearing me speak, um, because who wants to do that? Uh, hopefully you sometimes, um, but you know what I mean? That, that's not what church is about. It really isn't. Church is about showing the world who Jesus really is. And this is one of the ways that we can do that. And so um, I am so happy uh, that Nightlight found us or that we found Nightlight or however you want to put it. Uh, I'm glad that our paths crossed. And uh, it's been a blessing to our church and hopefully uh, we have been a blessing to them and we want to continue that relationship. And so next week, the reason that we need to have you here for the business meeting, I'm just going to lay it out, is that we want to be able to do a missions 2021 drive. What does that mean? That means that if you have been blessed with extra funds or you would like to commit to making a monthly gift that goes directly towards missions, we want you to be able to do that. The problem has been in the past, we decided that we weren't going to do designated giving anymore because we had run into some issues financially. We hadn't had separate bank accounts, but we have found ourselves, again, because of the generosity of all of you watching and here in person, we have found ourselves in a much more stable position. We have separate bank accounts. So any missions money that you may give will go directly into that account and will be guaranteed to only be used for missions. But we have to vote on it uh, because we voted to stop doing that. We have to vote to be able to do it again. And so we need you here next week. The, the, the business meeting won't last longer than 15 minutes. You have my word. We'll get you a ballot. I'll explain what I just explained. Give room for questions if there are any. I'll give you a little bit more detail about just kind of how that will change things for us, but we need you here because we need you to vote uh, because we want to be able to continue to help sustain our mission partners and to be able to do things for people in our community. And uh, I'll, I'll be frank, we can only do that if funds are there and we have funds, but more funds for missions, never a bad thing. You will never, I, I, you'll never hear me stand up here and ask for more money for myself, but I have zero issue asking for more money for missions. So um, just please be here next week. Plan to stay a few minutes after service so that you can vote. The band's going to come on up here. Um, I'm going to pray. I am going to say one more thing. Yes, our church gives to Nightlight in a monthly gift, and we do that based off of the tithe, a certain percentage of the money that we receive, we put towards missions because we feel that it's so important. But just like all our other mission partners, if you feel in your heart that God is calling you to partner with Nightlight, you can give on an individual basis. Okay, you can, you can uh, go on their website and there's a way to donate, there's a way to give. And so I would encourage you to be prayerful about that and to, to give if God's calling you in that way. All right, let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I thank you that you are a God who cares about dignity and empowerment, about the fact that we have worth. God, you created us as beings that have worth. You look at us as your creation, and we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and you look at us and you say that it is a good thing that you did. And God, I, I want us as Crosspoint to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to show the rest of the world around us that they are loved, that they are important, that they are valued, and that there is a different way to live life, a way that is led and guided by you. But many people find themselves in situations where 
if they're to make that change, if they're to, to, to chase after you, if they're to, to change their path, then they're going to have to have support. And so God, convict us to be an organization that is there to support that decision, that is there to support that change. Help us to, to remember to pray for Nightlight, for their workers, for all of our mission partners, to, to never doubt the importance and the power of prayer. We've talked about that in the past few months, God, but let that be confirmed in all of us that, that even if we may not be in a place where we can give financially, that God, we can still give of our time, we can still give of our mind space we can still pray because that matters and that makes a difference we ask for all these things in jesus powerful name amen guys stand right now worship with us i'm going to be right down here if you need to pray about anything i will mask up uh otherwise let's just worship